So when I went back to nutrition school, that was sort of where all of those aha moments came. That's where I learned about the gut-brain connection. That's where I kind of pieced together that like my body was under this incredibly stressful situation with grief. What I didn't mention was that four other people died within a two-year period after my dad. So there was a lot more, even more going on that was causing me to have all of this anxiety. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Today, I'm chatting with Stephanie Papadakis. She is a grief recovery specialist, a holistic nutrition consultant, and an autoimmune protocol coach. She believes that when we honor our grief and give ourselves permission to feel all the emotions, we can begin to restore balance in our lives and find true happiness. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation and find out more of how you got to this space. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm happy you are here. And we were just chatting. We chatted for probably like 10 minutes prior to starting to record. We're like, let's just start. Let's start recording. Let's start recording because if not, we might say more uh, while we're chatting and forget that we even have a recording scheduled. (laughs) We're like, wait, I only blocked off 45 minutes. We've been chatting for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so now now we know. So Stephanie, tell us more about yourself. I'd like to start more with your upbringing. Where do you live now and where did you grow up? And, what, and then we'll take it from there. Um, I, lo- I love that question. I Now I live in Santa Rosa, California. It's about an hour north of San Francisco in Sonoma County, which is wine country. It's beautiful up here. I feel like I live in vacation land, <laughs> which is really nice. And I found my way up here through a couple of different cities. I grew up in um, Orange County, California, in Mission Viejo, which um, I wanted to get out when I was 18. So I went to UC Santa Cruz and was there for four years. And then I moved to Boston for graduate school, and I was there for three years. And then I moved to San Francisco, which is where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And then we moved north to Marin, and now we're in Santa Rosa. So we'll be okay, here yeah. for a long time. So you're back, back again in California and you have a dog. Tell us your dog's name because that's your baby. So I know because I have two and they're also my babies. <laughs> Aside from my human babies too, I have my, what, what, is, what is your dog's name? My dog's name is Bounce and it. he really lives up to that name. He, our one of our best friends found him running down the side of the road and she said he bounced into her car. So um, she named him Bounce and he is the most expensive free dog we've ever had. Oh my goodness. Um, what the, the feeding or the ill or things that your surgeries, <laughs> what, what made it, what's made it expensive? <laughs> 
he um, won't eat his food unless there's like a delicious topper. So we have to constantly like either make more food or buy, buy more stuff. He has had 64 insurance claims in the last seven years that we've had him. Um, and not not for any other reason that he's kind of like klutzy. We call him Dennis the Menace because he mm. just like gets into things. Like he, recently he just broke his toenail. <laughs> so random. <laughs> so random. What, what mix of breeds is he? I think, well, we, we are very certain that he's like part pit bull. But we're, we don't know what he's mixed with. We think it's either Basinji, maybe Shepherd, but we don't know exactly. Okay. We haven't done the test yet. Okay. <laughs> so. Now, since you're in the health space, have you had that conversation with Bounce and told him about all the nutritional things that come from eating his food? And <laughs> I'm joking. No, actually, we have had that conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's on <a> probiotic. <laughs> he gets salmon skin for his his coat <laughs> okay so he 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 is he is in your in one of your protocols so we can add that you can add animal nutritionist to your list as well yes awesome <laughs> yes there we go all right stephanie after all this let's now dive into your grief and your trauma story because that's what led you to now be in this space of really healing people's gut really dealing more with our emotions. So what is your story in that, in that space? What was your story? Yeah. So I grew up Greek Orthodox and in that religion, when anyone died, we would you know go to the wake and the funeral. And so I grew up around seeing a lot of dead people, <laughs> to be honest. And when my dad died in 2009, that was like a total game changer. Seeing him seeing his body was broke by broke. I didn't eat for five months. I lost 22 pounds. I went to work like a zombie, came back, literally watched Dexter because it felt like a really good way to get out my anger. And I was... So you went even deep. You would actually find things to even go darker in that moment of that... It's it, that's interesting because some of us not say because do might do the opposite. Oh, let me try to cheer up. But you wanted something to match the mood of how you were feeling, and that yes, the heaviness. The heaviness. I think you know um, when someone dies. I, I've heard this through clients and friends. You know, oftentimes things happen with family members after that, and that happened with my family, and there was a big split. And I didn't talk to my dad's side of the family for quite a few years after that. And so I think a lot of that anger was, you know, part of that. It didn't allow me to really grieve my dad because I was so angry about this other thing that was happening. And so when I finally like came out of that fog, I think, you know, when, when you have someone so important pass away, like that, those first six months are hellish for everyone. Like you don't want to believe it. You don't want to acknowledge it you just want to forget about it and yet of course you can't and so I was living with someone at the time I moved out and got my own place and that kind of forced me to take care of myself again so when you started then that journey or that realization okay you're here not eating partly because of your grief had you already studied nutrition at that moment or not 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 formally no but I have always been it's kind of been a hobby for me okay so in that moment here you are you're 
you're, you know, I'm going to use the word wasting away, but you know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. it because you were not eating, you're not taking care of yourself. What things started happening to you physically, other ailments that started coming up, if you mind sharing some, I don't, you don't have to go, that's your own, you know, personal journey. So whichever ones you feel comfortable sharing, if there were any things that you started to notice shifting in your health based on how your gut was in that moment. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I noticed was (laughs) um, my gut health shifted from like being more constipated to having more loose stools and those were pretty constant and it didn't match up because I wasn't really eating um but I was constantly having to go to the bathroom and I didn't know exactly what that meant so when I moved out I thought okay well I gotta start taking care of myself I gotta like I gotta cook nutritious food I have to move my body again you know I was feeling really weak I had I've always been an athlete. I've always kind of worked out even after, you know, playing soccer for 10 years and running track and just kind of keeping in shape through my twenties. But once that happened, I could see like all the muscle was just literally wasting. Um, And so I knew I had to, to make a lifestyle shift. So I got a gym membership and I didn't go for three months, but I finally did. Um, and then I started cooking for myself. I started like trying to get back onto a sleep schedule where it wasn't staying up till two in the morning and waking up at you know seven to go to work and really just trying to be intentional about those things that helped with my mental health. I met my wife shortly after that. I attended a grief, uh, mindfulness grief group after that as well, which was incredibly helpful, but that didn't help all of the, the gut health stuff that was still happening throughout this whole time, no matter what I ate. And I wasn't quite at the point that I understood the connection between the gut and the brain and how that can affect everything. Literally yeah, though, isn't it the other? Yeah, don't, isn't that another? Do they call that the other? Is the gut the other brain? Is that what it's sometimes referred to? Yeah, the gut is the second brain. The second brain. Yeah. So when did it click that okay, the my emotions are tied to everything that's happening right now to me. When when did that click, and when did your research just start kind of taking place and you shifting and you had let go of the emotions to some extent of your grief but I know you're saying that there was also the other grief component of having the secondary losses that sometimes come with grief in this case you lost a whole side of your family Mm -hmm. in for a period of time because of the tension right after your dad's dying so you're still grieving that as well aside from your dad's death so Tell us how that, so, you know, you can see how much I talk. This If I had a video, if I, people could see me talk and how much I talk with my hands. Like, oh, like, oh, like, I love okay. it. I love it. Okay. I do that okay. too. Okay. It's just lower right now. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine are right up here on the camera. Yeah. Okay. You can see how I add humor in this conversation here. But yeah, so tell tell us how, how when, did it, when did it click for you? It actually didn't click, click for quite a few years. I had gone, I tried a a lot of different diet shifts over the course of the years. Like I had 
tried being a vegetarian for a while and it worked until it didn't. I added meat back in. I tried um, paleo because I thought maybe, you know, it was gluten and dairy that was an issue. It turns out that it is. <laughs> uh, but that still didn't help. So when I decided to go back to school and become a nutritionist, that was in 2016. And that was after I was also at a really awful job that was making me literally sick. I was in the bathroom for probably two hours out of every day and just never knowing like when it was going to happen. And, you know, I would get called into the office, where have you been? And I'm like, I have IBS. I'm sorry. Like I knew that, that I had gone to the doctor. They said, you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and there's nothing we can do about it. That was, you know, we can give you an antispasmodic. And I wasn't really interested in taking that because I wanted to find more of the root cause. So when I went back to nutrition school, that was sort of where all of those aha moments came. That's where I learned about the gut-brain connection. That's where I kind of pieced together that like my body was under this incredibly stressful situation with grief. What I didn't mention was that four other people died within a two-year period after my dad. So there was a lot more, even more going on that was causing me to have all of this anxiety and all, all of that anxiety, all that emotional stress, you know, our body, my body was in a chronic state of stress. And most people's bodies are because we live in the society where we have a lot of little chronic stressors and we probably don't even realize it, but our body still sees that as stress. It can't, it can't, um, Differentiate, 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 yeah, yeah, between you. one thing. Even when yeah. you work out, it's a stressor. So you need yes. to know that releases cortisol. So you kind of have to know how to even balance even that within yes. your life, so that the yeah. So you're right. The body yes. does not realize that you being in traffic, stuck in traffic, that stress that there mm-hmm. is any different than the stress caused by the grief that comes from losing someone. The body still sees all that as stress. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. And so you're constantly releasing cortisol at a low level all of the time and doing that can raise your blood sugar. It can change the composition of your gut bacteria. It can uh, reduce the amount of serotonin that your gut makes, which is not only like the, you know, feel good, happy neurotransmitter, it's also something that helps move through food through your gut. So if you are not making enough serotonin, oftentimes you could be constipated. For me, I think it's I just because the way my body works, I was leaning in the opposite direction. So going back to nutrition school helped me see all of these connections. And in that time, that was when I realized, okay, I want to focus this on how grief affects the body and how grief affects the gut brain connection, because it's so important that you work on the, if you want to work on the physical, you have to work on that mental and emotional side as well. And that's, that was where I was like 2016 to 2022. (laughs) So that was kind of my stance. And so I eventually um, learned about all the different kinds of gut dysfunction and I went to a doctor an an integrative doctor where I was finally diagnosed with SIBO which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth and I did two different protocols one herbal one like uh, medicine you know like medicine protocol 
um, changed up my diet and ate, you know, low FODMAP, uh, which is basically low sugar, low carb to try to like get rid of all of that excess bacteria and get my gut back into a good place. And, and it did, it did work until, until something else cropped up a couple years later. <laughs> so another, um, another, another grief, another um, grief instance or some, or another trauma or something else. I think that popped up because I was processing a lot of my traumas. Mm-hmm. I had started a different kind of therapy, the IFS, internal family I don't know systems. What is that one? What is that one called? Internal what family systems. Okay. And uh, it's awesome. I like highly recommend it because I feel like in the last couple of years, I've not even the last couple of years, I started last year. So in the last year and a half, I feel like I've been able to work through more of my trauma than I had in the last 25 years that I've been in talk therapy. Does it have to do with generational trauma? So not necessarily. The family that is being talked about is your internal family inside of you. So your feelings so you have your protector, you have anger, you have shame and guilt. Oh, like and... the movie, like the movie in and yes. inside out, just like that. Yes. Okay. So as in all that. So just to kind of figure out which one of these characters yeah. <laughs> of your family comes up in the different situations of your life. That's what this yeah. type of therapy addresses. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it's what's great about it is that you can sit with those parts and get to know them. And when they come up, you can be curious about them and ask them, why are you here? Like, what are you trying to tell me? I honor you. Thank you for being there. I'm safe now. Like I don't need you at this moment. I love the word honor because instead of judging, we tend to judge our emotions when they show up sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I love that in this type of way of really, you're really honoring, you're here. Okay. Why? Cause a lot of times we're like, wait, why am I feeling angry? I shouldn't be feeling angry. No, 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 no. Right. And we start this mm-hmm. whole story around it rather than like, okay, this is emotion. Why? And having that conversation with it again. Okay. That's it. So I had never heard that way of therapy. So thank you for sharing something. I did not know. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It's Dr. Frank Anderson. He works a lot with, he'll collaborate with um, David Kessler often. And he, he's one of like the, the big people who do IFS, who does IFS therapy. Okay. And so it's just a really, it's just, I don't know, it's changed my life entirely. And it's helped me just come to terms with a lot of the traumas that happened in my past that I kind of knew were there and were affecting me, but I didn't want to really go as deep as I could with mm-hmm. them because it's scary, right? I mean, of course. it's super scary and you can't grieve multiple things, right? You have to grieve one at a time. So I had to go back and look at all of those things and, you know, not to say that I'm totally healed and everything I'm still working and I'm going to be working for the rest of my life on all of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going to be grieving the loss of everyone that I've lost in my life, but it's not as heavy Mm. anymore. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. 
Now, in terms of how you then coach people, you mention uh, in, in your bio a lot about um, autoimmune, or I don't know if it was your bio or your website, a lot about autoimmune issues and uh, knowing that most of these, if not all, I might don't want to, because I'm not in, I'm not a health practitioner, so start really because of gut health. So can you talk about that? Because then we have then the grief. We, we're seeing now this connection of grief, trauma affecting the gut, then the gut having all these other effects, including our, you know, skin conditions. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that's a dermatologist and she totally goes more into, let's see your gut. <laughs> it's just going to your gut. That's where she goes. Not like, let me put this topical thing, right? So tell us that connection between the gut and different types of diseases that may show up. Sure. Um, So the easiest way to explain it is our gut has, our small intestine has a barrier and it kind of has these interlocking structures and it's supposed to be locked entirely. And nothing is, no food particles are supposed to be able to get through it. But with a lot of stress and a lot of the kind of high sugar, high refined carbohydrate foods that you know, the standard American diet eat has in them can cause that those like junctions to become what's called leaky. So if you've ever heard of leaky gut, that's when those junctions open up a little bit and food particles can get out. So some of those food particles our body identifies as a bad guys, we'll say. So we have this 75% of our immune system lives in our gut. So we have this like army of soldiers that are, you know, trying to get rid of all of those bad things. But sometimes those food particles can build up and cause infections. So when those particles get into the bloodstream, your body can have a physical reaction to them. So for instance, like Hashimoto's, um, the thyroid molecule actually looks, it's like 95% identical to gluten. So when gluten enters the bloodstream, if you have leaky gut and gluten enters the bloodstream and someone with Hashimoto's, their body is trying to attack the gluten, but because it looks similar to thyroid, it also attacks thyroid. So when you, when your body ends up attacking these things in the bloodstream, you can end up having different symptoms. You can have weight gain, you can have skin issues, breakouts, rashes, that also, you know, the stool situation can change. Um, you can have, some people have like severe allergic reactions, throat closing up, not being able to breathe. And all of these things can be symptoms of something else. Some of them can just be food intolerances, right? Like mine, I don't think I'm allergic to gluten or dairy. I think I have severe intolerances to them. Because when I eat them, (laughs) like when I used to eat them, I would notice right away. So, you know, it doesn't always turn into an autoimmune disease is what I'm trying to say. But sometimes when it's left unchecked and you have these continual stressors that never stop, your body is constantly in that inflamed mode, that's when it could potentially turn into something autoimmune. Stephanie, I want to ask you, when someone then comes to you, what would be the process, uh, like the first consult, what would you want to know from that client and how would you then dive deeper into the aspects of grief and then 
yeah, like basically what would be the standard process of having you as their health slash grief coach, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all of it. Health, grief, life, <laughs> nutrition. So I've, I've changed things up a little bit. And I think I mentioned this like right before we got on, we started recording, um, you know, before I was kind of doing like this whole nutritional intake and finding, you know, going over the, the whole health history. And I still do that with my grief clients because it's important for me to have the whole picture. And that's like functional medicine, integrative medicine. Like we want to know what it's been like for you from the moment you were, you can remember <laughs> to now you know, what did you eat growing up? What was your sleep like? What are your, if you're menstruating, what are your periods like? Um, You know, what are your stress levels like? What kind of toxins are you around? Like, what are you putting on your skin? And, you know, could that be leading to different, you know, toxic buildup in your system? What's going on now? Like, why are you coming to me? What's this like acute thing that made you say I need help? And then I ask also about like, you know, grief, you know, I I don't, I don't get too much into asking someone about their traumas right away because that's sort of, I notice will come out. But, but in terms of grief, you know, I ask, have you had any grief, like losses in the last two years so that I know like that that might be an underlying thing. Um, now, because I sort of shifted my practice to having nutrition be more of a secondary thing, as more of a support uh, I, I still go through all of that stuff, but it's sort of more like, let's talk, what, what is the acute loss that brought you in? And let's talk about everything around that. Let's talk about what has come up for you within that. What, what else are you thinking about, you know, and how can we support you in your, in like your lifestyle as well? Like what, what would be some nutrient dense foods that would help you you know, if you need a supplement, what would be helpful for you? If you cannot cook at all, here are some really easy 30 second meals, <laughs> you know, to get food into your body. Or why don't you make smoothies? Because at least if you can't eat or chew, you can drink something. So really just setting my clients up for wherever they're at, meeting them where they're at is the most important thing. In that process, as you're going through, somebody could start, do they think that it's going to be a quick fix or do they know that, you know, now in society, a lot of these things are like, no, I want to, I want to get results now, or mm -hmm. I need to get results in a month with this approach, because it's deeper, it is a longer process, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. But then the benefits are that it's a lasting process because you've already dealt it from the root cause. It won't, you won't keep yes. on doing the yo-yoing. What are some of the reasons that that happens? I think what I've seen with the yo-yo diets and the clients that I've had who have done them in the past, it's about weight loss, you know, and, and hopping a lot on the fads that we hear about in the media you know, one minute it's the Mediterranean diet, one minute it's plant-based slash vegan, one minute it's paleo, you know, and, and I totally hopped on that paleo train for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was curious. I've, I've been curious about food my whole life and I wanted to see what that would do for me. And, you know, what, like I said, it helped me realize that dairy and gluten don't work for me. But what I, 
what I notice is that because someone wants such a quick fix, you know, even if, or keto, like let's take keto for instance, you're supposed to have 80 to 85% of your macronutrients as fat. So people see fat, they think bacon, cheese, you know, foods that just are super high in fat, but maybe not like the highest in nutrient density. So for me, when I'm, when I work with a client and ask them about that, we talk a lot about how nutrient density is the most important thing. And once you start eating like and building your plate in a nutrient dense way, that's when, you know, you'll start to feel shifts in your body. Maybe you, you know, you'll lose a few pounds, but I don't focus on weight loss because I don't think that's the most important thing for people. You know, I think it's more important to look at what's causing the, that want or desire. Is there emotional eating happening? Well, what's underneath that? What, what are the cravings coming from? Are you low in certain nutrients? And that's why you're craving like salt or sugar. So really like trying to look at those root causes, not shaming, not, and not saying, I think this would be good for you. There are specific therapeutic diets that I will recommend though, because it could be helpful for someone. Ketogenic would be, you know, if you suffer from seizures, that diet was actually created for people who have seizures. So yeah. it's a therapeutic diet for that. But, you know, in terms of like autoimmune, the autoimmune protocol, that is a therapeutic diet for someone who has severe autoimmune symptoms and is looking for a way to reduce them naturally. It's not a forever diet. It's only supposed to be 30 to 90 days. And then you start adding foods back in because we want that the gut wants variety. It is a process. There's a lot of question, a lot of questions that go into that process in order to really make these lifelong changes. And what you said regarding the yo-yo component of health being more for weight loss makes sense because that is when we're like, oh, we tried this. Oh, no, it doesn't work. Oh, no, we tried this. Now, I've yo-yoed in different styles myself in order to find solutions for things that have to do with my emotions and my health too. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, like you said, oh, you tried maybe the paleo and found out, oh, I am not allergic. I am, no, I'm not, I'm sensitive to gluten and dairy because I did this elimination for, you know, for a certain amount of days. And I know that this was like how I live my optimal best, but it is sometimes so hard to maintain personally, I'm going to say, even the things that I don't, that I know don't suit me as well. So because of social situations, right? When you have kids or you go out and things, and you don't want this kind of feeling of restriction and it causing more stress because you can't eat these things, which we what we're trying to do is remove the stress. So how <laughs> can yes. you get, I know that this is not a consult right now. This is an interview, <laughs> but is there any tip you can give to the listeners as to how do we manage the stress around food? Because again, we don't want to add more to our plate in terms of right. the stress. Yeah. So when I'm talking to clients about like, and they're on therapeutic diets, it is so overwhelming and stressful to be in those social situations. And I think, you know, allowing it, it to not be perfect, you know, like 
if if you're at a holiday party and you want to have a glass of champagne have the glass of champagne because you know like all of this work that you've done up to this point let's say you've been doing AIP for six weeks if you have a glass one glass of champagne it's not going to ruin everything because you've already made all of this progress in the past six weeks so what do you do the next day you wake up you make a nutritious breakfast and you start the next day as if you had started you know two days ago the one thing that I would that I would say is like, if you know a food is going to bother you, that is maybe that's like your hell no, right? Like, hell no, I'm not going to eat gluten. I had dairy in New Zealand. It closed up my throat, but I tried it because I was in New Zealand. I wanted to try it, (laughs) right? You're like, it's grass-fed cows for sure because it's New Zealand. So it, and it's still, you still had that type of reaction. Oi. Yeah. And I, and I ate it again. You know, I ate it a couple oh, of times. Okay. You there. sound I like you. <laughs> I knew that I was going to do it. <laughs> you sound like me one time. I, I love jackfruit and it was like, I, and I have eaten jackfruit before. And one time I was like, Oh, I bought it. And it was already peeled in the little container mm-hmm. and I'm eating and I'm driving and eating jackfruit. And I start feeling my throat close up and never had felt any, any time, any time and any allergy I've had my throat closing up. I drink water, da, da, whatever. I come home, I put it in the fridge, and I told my husband, I think you're going to have to eat the jackfruit because I it, I, I noticed I had somewhat of an allergic reaction to it. And then when, when, when the next morning, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe if I rinse it off, maybe it's the, maybe it has to do with all the, um, the sap or the, there's, you know, the sap of it mm-hmm. or something that maybe is the one that's caused. If I rinse it, maybe like I wanted to eat it so bad. So I'm like you with the milk that I'm like, I had that reaction. And yet I'm like, but I want to have my jackfruit. <laughs> yeah it's so hard and and the other thing that I say to my clients is like you know you don't have to be perfect if you know something you have agency in the situation if you know something is going to affect you and you still want to eat it anyway prepare for it know that you might be feeling off for the next couple of days after it what do you need to do to set yourself up for feeling better um not having shame around it Mm-hmm. or guilt or saying, you know, I, I really, what I really don't like is when people say I'm having a cheat day. I was, that... I was just, you, you stole the, I was <laughs> just say like indulgence, even if the indulging meal, like don't, yeah. even if it's that delicious meal, I don't yeah, know. Decadent. <laughs> decadent meal, something, but not cheat. It automatically shifts something in our brain. Cause then, like you said, it makes you feel like you're doing something bad. Yeah. And then all the set of emotions start all over again. Yeah. 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 And you're now, you're going to just be in that cycle, constant cycle of guilt mm-hmm. and shame around food. If you put it, and even when if you put it into good and bad categories, because food is neither good nor bad. It just is right. Sugar's mm-hmm. not bad. White flour is not bad. It just is for some people. It causes mayhem in their bodies right? For others, it doesn't. Um, You know, I think a balance of like, just when I start with my clients, you know, if they're not on a therapeutic diet, it's just about like adding foods in. You know, we're not going to eliminate anything just yet, but let's just add some things in. Add in, you know, maybe have like salmon twice a week, 
cool. Maybe have some broccoli, <laughs> you know, try to have one vegetable every day, whatever it is that that is easy and just adding in more of those nutrients can be really helpful rather than taking them away. And then at that point, some people might say like, oh yeah, I do want to stop eating less of this thing. It doesn't make me feel as good. Well, let's go back to the part of emotions, right? So the part of what comes first, the chicken or the egg, which may be in your, in your, therapy when you were doing nutrition first, then gut, you switched it now around to gut, now nutrition. But the reality is that a lot of the foods we eat do end up having a reaction as well in our mood as well. Mm -hmm. When we Mm -hmm. eat things that are high in sugar, we probably will have more crashes. And then this whole set of emotions can also start to Mm -hmm. unravel as well. So what are some of these patterns that that you've noticed with that that was a word I wanted to use when I had it was patterns it was that word that was not coming to my brain it just came a few minutes later. um what are some of these patterns of foods that you notice in most of your clients that end up and again it could be different for everybody but that end up making them feel feel worse than they did mm-hmm. before they ate it and, and to just preface that, like a lot of times they're being eaten because they're comforting. Yes. Yes. Right. Or too much of something again, again, we're back again to not the bad. This is not again for bad or bad, the bad or, or good. This is not regarding right. that, but it's the part of what, it, what it, okay, here's a, uh, uh, my, okay, no answer that. And then I'm like, my brain is just going everywhere because I love this topic of about food so so so, yeah what what would be some of the answers you give to this question first well I'll I'll actually use myself as as an example for this one because I even though I like I do work with clients on this I think people listening might want to hear it from a nutritionist and a grief coach so um I have I definitely have emotional eating And when I, like a lot of people, you know, the first kind of death that was in the family, my parents were like, here's some cookies or here's some cake. Like, I know a bad thing happened, but here, like, use this to to make you feel better. And that became a thing for me. So when my dad died, like if I was going to eat anything, and actually, no, it wasn't then. It was probably around 2013, 2014. My go-to like emotional eating meal was mac and cheese from a box, Annie's, and then it was Haagen-Dazs chocolate peanut butter ice cream. And those two things I would get like maybe every couple of weeks and just gorge. And it would make me feel better for about an hour and then the pain would set in. And I think for me at that point, it was, I didn't want to feel the emotional pain. So I was eating to feel that physical pain of like having to go to the bathroom, having the, you know, not, not feel just like feeling my gut hurting. And I, I have gotten a lot, I have done it a lot less in recent years, but there are times when I am really, really sad that I'll still do it. I'll buy a box of cookies. Maybe now they're simple meals, almond flour cookies, but I also know that I don't like almonds affect me very much. So if I have six or seven of them, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. So for me, it's about 
not binging them, but really allowing myself to have it if I want it, but being more mindful about it. So, you know, having one cookie, taking a bite of it, savoring it, you know, thinking about like, is this making me feel good? And then at the end asking, do I want another one? Is this going to make me feel better? Is it because I'm sad, because I'm angry, because I'm anxious? Like, why am I eating this? Again, more of it. You know what's going to happen if you do. Mm-hmm. So I give my, I'm trying to get, I'm trying, keyword try, to give myself more grace around that and to just kind of notice the feelings around it. When, when, uh, when you're saying that, it reminds me of something I heard once about somebody that was also an emotional eater. And what she was saying is that every time that she was about to go ahead into the pantry, something that helped her was to stop and journal in that moment and write everything that was happening around her in that, mm-hmm. where the kids screaming, where the, 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 what was happening in her brain or in, or in her surroundings to then be able to think if the reason she was heading to the pantry was really because she wanted something in the pantry or because she was yeah. trying to hide or mask anything that was happening in that moment. And then she would still make that conscious decision there. Do I still want that cookie or do I still want that after having read all this of why it is I'm going to it? And if she still wanted it, she'd still just go get it. Right. But it was at least she'd already put the emotions on paper Mm -hmm. so that then she wouldn't completely eat them in the pantry. So they were, had already been released in some way. So let's talk about that release of emotions. How is it processing all our emotions to talk? Like we said, there's the talk therapy. There's the, the one you did, the, in, in, now I have to go, what is it? Internal family family systems. systems. What other ways can people start processing more of this grief? Seeing you, what, what ways do you bring it up? Yeah. So there's, there's a few different ways that I like to go about it. Um, journaling is a big one, right? Because oftentimes we feel all of this alone and the easiest thing and the the least costly thing is to get it out by writing it down or drawing it out or, you know, voice recording or whatever works for you. Some people aren't writers, so, but they're talkers. So I, I would say, you know, voice record. Some people are artists, so they draw or paint, um, but do it, just getting out those emotions so that you're not holding on to them is really important and you're not doing it alone. Um, talking to someone, right? Like we know that talking can be really helpful, but we also know that our emotions live deep inside of us and our traumas live inside of us and our body remembers that. So another way that I like to like help my clients with that is, is talking about like the different states of stress so like fight flight freeze or fawn and how you know oftentimes we're mostly frozen in that state of overwhelm and so how can we calm our bodies down so that we can move forward so that we can take action because when when we're in that freeze overwhelm state we can't take action we're stuck so we have to have our bodies feel safe again So really like painting that picture and knowing for you individually, what makes you feel safe? Who are the people that make you feel safe? What, what 
about your day makes makes you feel safe? What are some like moments of joy in your life that make you feel safe? What are vacations that you've gone on or places that you've been to like that make you feel safe? And so that way we can like feel that safety, that groundedness, and then we can move forward and take action. Safety, I think it's what every human being seeks, right? These are all great tips and tools that you've shared. And it's just so helpful to hear them. And I'm sure it's even more helpful to work with you because you can even go further with the person as to what it is that really is addressing their situation. So what is a way that people can work with you and what, what offerings do you have? I know you have some offerings on your, on your, on your webpage, things people can download as well. So tell us the different resources you provide and how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, so my website is gutofintegrity.com and there's a whole freebies section so you can go and download a bunch of stuff. I work with people usually in different ways. I have packages, um, usually three-month or six-month packages. Those will be three months of working on strictly like grief, emotional, mental work and then going into the nutrition piece. Also, we'll do kind of one-on-one week-to-week sessions, I guess is the way to say it, or every two weeks, and really like diving deep into the grief work. And that's that's the meat of it, is really just understanding all of your losses and how they have shaped you to who you are now, right? And so I'm also starting a uh, grief group membership online. It's going to be awesome. It'll be a weekly grief group with, you know, videos and handouts and things for you to have support and be witnessed and be seen in your grief, because that's really all we want is a place to talk about our grief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in our society, you know, we, we don't have that place often. And so for me, you know, what I tell people is I want to be part of that change in the world where we are able to talk about grief it's normal and it's something that's not people aren't scared to talk about people don't try to laugh it off or make jokes when someone is sad people people actually know how to be in grief with someone Mm -hmm. and they know what to say and they know how to act and they know they just know you know they don't say oh you know let me know if you need anything but they say I'm going to bring you dinner on this day, (laughs) you know, and you're going to, you're going to be cared for on this day, or I'm going to check in on you on this day. And they don't forget to keep checking in after like one month and think that you're fine. And they don't say things like, oh, you know, you must be moving on now after seven days. Things that have all happened to me. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yes, you know, so I really want to be part of that change, and I want to be there for people because I've been there in all of these like i I deeply know what it's like, and I hope to be able to support people on on even just a small part of their grief journey is would be an honor for me that is exactly why I even have this podcast was to start more of these conversations, make it less taboo to talk about grief and all the different things that come from it. And you mentioned we have something in common regarding the grief gratitude. Tell, tell the story of what it was that 
that what it says on your website <laughs> when, when you saw my the name of this podcast <laughs> yeah it was amazing so I was looking on I can't remember if it was Apple or Spotify and I found Kendra's podcast because the name is grief gratitude and the gray in between and I was like oh my god my whole thing is the space between gratitude and grief I have to know her <laughs> And little did I know you're amazing and I want to be friends with you. So, <laughs> well, there we go. If we think alike, of course, automatic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie. It was been an honor chatting with you at this moment and getting to learn more about this. And thanks for indulging me in all my questions. <laughs> My like, wait, maybe I have to pay for me to record her right now because I'm asking too many personal questions. <laughs> wait, I didn't sign up for the membership yet. So <laughs> thank you so much. And again, people can find you. I'll, I'll link the website below, but is gutofintegrity.com is your website and yeah. your different social media links. That are they all linked on the website as well? Can they find you on there? They or can what find are... me on the website. Um, I'm my handles are at Gut of Integrity for Instagram, TikTok, um, and you can just search Gut of Integrity on Facebook, and you will find my business page. I have a Facebook group that has almost 700 members called the Space Between Gratitude and Grief. So you can also <laughs> join that. And um, this has been such a pleasure talking to you, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me. I know these conversations are going to continue because we really want to make that change in the world. Yes, thank you. And if you guys by chance got hungry as you were listening to this podcast, go check out her website because she has... Stephanie has a few recipes on there. I was getting hungry before. It was like breakfast tacos, healing the gut one salad at a time, these different articles, eat the rainbow. So again, a lot of freebies on there and ideas and recipes that you can take as well to start healing your own gut. But remember that it all starts with addressing the emotions as well that you are dealing with. And Stephanie Papadakis, there I say it right, you did. Medicine, right? okay. <laughs> is the person to go to if you want to really address the issues from the core. So thank you again, Stephanie, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.